Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. You was here last week. Obviously, last week was Easter, uh, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, we got deep in it. We got uh, it, uh, we talked about it a lot. If you if you didn't get a chance to hear it, I encourage you to go to the podcast and listen to it. Plug. Um, one of the things we said last week, just to review before we hop into what we're going to talk about today, and still we're ta- we're continuing into um, being in union with God. Somebody say union. union. Um, today I want to talk about uh, our new reality. Um, you know, I uh, I remember Sunday last Sunday after Easter, and if you've ever if you've ever served a ministry at any point or another, you know that um, after Easter is done. After any church service, but a lot of times, especially after one that is um, held in, held in uh, the public eye and as such a pinnacle. And I remember I was looking online and I saw one pastor say, okay, what's next? You know, because so many times if you've served in ministry, we build it up and we build it up. And finally, once we hit it, like, shh, and somebody's like, what's next? I remember thinking, I was like, when I saw that question, what's next? I'm like, you know what, Lord, what is next? And, you know, before I even started to speculate and all these different things, I was like, you know what? After you after you rose from the grave, what was next? What like what happened? You know, because we focus so much on the cross. We focus so much on the resurrection, him coming out of the tomb. I ran out of that grave. We focus on that. But then it's like, OK, well, after you got there, running what'd you do next you know so that's what we're going to talk about today but before we truly get get into it, I want to just review from last week there's a few things that I said last week we um, we talked about the perichoresis perichoresis is the mutual indwelling within the father son and spirit in other words the the shorthand term for it is it's the circle dance within the trinity the the orthodox church the early church when it came to describing the trinity the the fellowship within god father son and spirit they developed perichoresis which which means it's where we get the word perimeter and it's also where we get the word chore, uh, choreography the circle dance so when it when they would describe the father son and spirit when they would describe their relationship they would describe it uh compare it to a circle dance to where they were they were dwelling within each other but they didn't lose each other as well. You couldn't see Jesus without seeing the Father. You couldn't see the Father without seeing the Spirit. It was this perichoresis fellowship. And we talked about last week how that's what Jesus died for. He died to bring us back into that. Because if y'all remember, we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, literally it said that we were, uh, God said, let us make man in our image so that man could be like us. You know, so many times growing up, we, we've always heard, you know, we were made in the image of God, but we never focus on so we can be like, what? Huh? Well, so what was God like? And we talked about last week how he had that fellowship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. And we were, and we were created. Somebody say, I was created. You and I, we were created to be in that fellowship, to be in that union with the Father, Son, and Spirit. So in, J- in John chapter 20, John chapter 20, verse 11 through 17 is where we'll start. You know, let me just give this caveat. Jesus brought us back into this type of union through the cross. He brought us back into fellowship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. So in John chapter 20, verse 11, it says this, Mary arrived back at the tomb broken and sobbing. She stooped to peer inside, and through her tears, she saw two angels in dazzling white robes sitting where Jesus' body had been laid, one at the head and one at the feet. Dear woman, why are you crying? They asked. Mary answered, they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've laid him. Verse 14, then she turned around to leave and there, and there was Jesus standing in front of her, but she didn't realize that it was him. He said to her, dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Mary answered, thinking he was the only gardener, or he was only the gardener. Sir, if you have taken his body somewhere else, tell me and I will go. Verse 16, Mary, Jesus interrupted her, turning to face him, she said, Rabbi, which is Aramaic for my teacher. And then verse 17, Jesus cautioned her, Mary, don't hold on to me for, don't hold on to me now. For I haven't yet ascended to God, my father, and he's not only my father and God, but now he's your father and your God. Now go to my brothers and tell them what I've told you, that I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. 
So I love this. I know we read, I know it was a little extensive, so I'll break it down. But in verse 17, we'll keep it up for a minute. But I love because this is the first time we see Jesus. He says, he's not only my father and God, but now he's your father and your God. What? What? I'm getting ahead of my notes for a minute, but, you know, literally Jesus just rose from the grave. He just, you know, I ran out of, the, he's out of the tomb. You know, how many, you know, how many, how many of you, when you wake up in the morning, instantly you're thinking about the, the will of the church and the will of the saints? You know, I'm, I'll be honest, this is, this is another reason, reason number 152, why I could not have been Jesus. You know, I just rose from the grave, shoo, time to go get some bacon, you know. Make my coffee. I, I found this video last week. I showed it to a few of, a few people, but there was this ministry that they uh, they did a parody of Jesus raising from the grave, and it shows the you know it had the song. I can't think who it's by, but uh, yeah, it's lovely day. Um, and it's like gonna be a lovely day. Lovely. That's playing in the background, and it shows the the stone has been rolled away, and Jesus, you know, he wakes up. He does the morning stretch. You know, he puts on his crotch, which I thought that was funny because you know his he his heel crushed. The serpent's head. That was a nice little cameo. But he puts on his crops, puts on his, his garment, and uh, he pours him some water that turns into coffee. I was like, ah, Jesus, okay. You know, he walks out the tomb, and he blesses everybody that walks by. The, he's just like, hey, you know. You know. That's why I could have been Jesus, because that, that, that's the type of Jesus I would have been. All right, all right, ooh, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a war. We fought, we fought and won. Yep, all right. Oh, some water? Oh, that's okay. I'll, I'll take care of it. Ah, Java. java Hallelujah. You know, that's why I couldn't have been Jesus, uh, because that's, you know, I've been focused on my, my fleshly needs. But Jesus, the moment that he's out of the tomb, the first thing we hear him uh, uh, doing to, or saying to Mary is he is identifying her as a family member. He's informing her, hey, guess what? You're in the union now. You're, you're part of the fellow, you're part of that perichoresis fellowship that me and my father and the spirit have. And I love that because uh, it's like, well, how did he do it? In Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to quote it real quick. But in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, we read it last week. It literally says, through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. All of the guilt and power of sin. Somebody say all. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and it's now extinct because of what Christ the anointed one has accomplished for us. Somebody say union. union. So I love this because Jesus immediately informs Mary on the new reality. He informs Mary on the new reality that we have now. That we, we, we get to walk in a new reality. Easter's over, Resurrection Sunday is done. So, Lindsay, what's next? Our new reality. The new way we get to live. The new way we get to see. The new way we get to parent. The new way we get to love. The new way we get to like. The new way we get to eat. The new way we get to drive. The new way we get to clean our clothes. I mean, like, the list goes on and on. There is a new reality that he has, uh, he has won for us. The Bible says he didn't just play checkers with your sins. He didn't just play, you know, a game of chess with your sin. He didn't play Candy Crush with your sin. No, he fought a war. He went into the midst of your darkness, in the midst of our darkness, into the belly of the earth. He went into hell and took back everything, took it back. It, it wasn't just a, a vacation. Of, Ooh, this is a little hot, a little hot. No, 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 no. It wasn't like a it wasn't like a sauna. It wasn't like uh, being stuck in the mail car in 80 degrees in leather in leather seats were like, whoa, OK, yep. Yep. Oh, this is a little hot. No, no, no. The Bible says that he was in the belly of the earth. For who? Not for himself, for you, for us, redeeming us, redeeming us. And that's, you know, as he risen from the grave. Walks at the tomb and tells Mary, hey, 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 you're, you're part of the fellowship now. You're in the union. I, I, I did it. I took care of it. You're one with us again. God. Not man. we read last week, not with us, but in us. Somebody say in us. Yeah. So in other words, Jesus told Mary that she is now a child of God. That's why we sung that song, a child of God. God. We are children of God. We are children of God. We are who he says we are. Amen. Amen. So for Jesus, watch this, for Jesus to rise from the dead. And the first thing that we see him do, which is re-identify everyone who truly loved him as family members of the union. This leads us to believe that you being back into the fellowship 
was God's first priority. That was his top priority. You know, you can ask Kelsey, you can ask anybody in the house, really. But when I wake up, my first priority is I go to the bathroom, and then I go downstairs and looking for something to eat. Look to see if we got some bacon. If we don't, let's see what we got instead. Let's see what, you know, what substitutions we got. No, nobody want that. Don't nobody want that. I've been redeemed, okay? I'm no longer under the law of religion. I have been freed, yes. Mm. Feel it in my bones. I'm about to move. <laughs> Don't nobody want that turkey bacon. There was a time in my life where I ate it, but there was a time when I was a child, I thought childish things, okay? <laughs> but I love this because our new reality is union with the Father, Son, and Spirit. Union is the reality he wants for you. To be one in him. Somebody say in. We said, we said last week there's a difference between with him and in him. See, with him, he's accompanying you. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with Jesus walking with you. There's nothing wrong with him talking with you. But there's something different when he's in you, when he's talking through you. Hey, when he's walking through you, when he's delivering through you, when he's healing through you, when he's ministering through you, when he's touching lives through uh, the lives of your coworkers, when he's doing that through you, when he's uh, restoring the, 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 the brokenness in your heart, he's doing that within. There's, there's power that comes from when he's within. And that's why he came. That's why he did what he did, so he can have that open access to be in us and we in him. Amen. I love this because union in him is our new reality. Lindsay, what's next? Union. Being one in him. That's our new reality. Yeah. So I want you to notice in verse 17, there is also, watch this. It says, go tell my brothers, go tell them what I told you. This is the first time we see in the Gospel of John that Jesus calls the disciples his brothers, his bros. His bros. I'm not going to finish this. I'm not going to finish it. I wanted to. But go tell my brothers, go tell them what I told you. Notice Jesus never told Mary, he never told Mary that the disciples were his brothers. She just assumed and knew. She knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that they were, that when he said, go tell my brothers, oh, you're talking about the ones that have walked with you. You're talking about the ones that love you. See, the fact that Jesus was alive confirmed everything. The fact that Jesus rose from the grave, it confirmed every scripture. We've read it before in Luke chapter 24 in the walk, uh, the, the seven mile walk to Emmaus. When Jesus is walking with those two guys, the Bible says that he opened up the scriptures literally and confirmed, showed them where he was in the Old Testament, showed them what uh, the point of the cross and all the different details. You know, one of the big popular things now is when a Marvel movie comes out or a Marvel show instantly. And I find myself doing it. I, I admit I raise my hand. I do it. The moment that the movies come out or the shows come out, you watch the episode or you watch the movie instantly. We all run to the internet whatever social media platform you prefer and we run to the internet and we see all the spoilers all the easter eggs all the different things that you missed within the movie i like doing that because you know i'll be honest i don't have time to sit all day and 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 study a movie by the millisecond but there's people out there they can they'll be like oh and excuse me, at like four minutes and 13 seconds, you know, this thing happened, and, you know, issue number 413 of da-da-da back in 1989 had da da I'm like, good Lord, like, get a life, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you don't have children, evidently, you know? <laughs> you know, like, whoa, okay, uh, you know, that, that's a great detail, and so, um, yeah, I'm gonna go back to sleep now, evidently, since you're losing sleep over this. But I love this because, you know, instantly, one of the, you know, when Jesus is talking with those men, he's, he's doing that in a sense. He's confirming every detail, every, the scriptures that we don't think that we see Jesus in it. He's confirming that. He's, he's saying, no, 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 the Son of God was in the Song of Solomon. The Son of God was, was in Hosea, uh, bringing, loving, loving his wife back into fellowship. Hey, sound familiar? He, he, was, he, was, he was confirming everything, and the fact that he rose from the grave confirmed everything that the Bible had said. And I love this because in John chapter 14, verse 6 and 7, just for example, in John chapter 14, verse 6 and 7, in the Passion Translation, I'll read those two verses, and then I'll do the, the Mirror Translation. Verse 6, it says, Jesus explained, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through what? 
Hey, you thought I was just making that word up. See, there it is. Jesus said it through union with me. To know me is to know my who? Mm. Then what's verse 7 say? And from now on, somebody say, from now on. (laughs) Oh, wow, y'all really did it. Okay. And from now on, you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. Now, listen to what it says in the mirror translation. Literally, verse 6 says, Jesus said, my I amness is mirrored in you. It's your way. This is this is your truth and also your life. Every single person is now brought face to face with the father entirely because of my doing. Verse seven. If you had known me for who I really am, you would have immediately recognized my father in me. Now with me, bringing you back face to face with the father, you will certainly know him and become fully acquainted with him. So what Jesus did, he brought you face to face with God again. He brought you face to face, back face to face. You know, we said it last year that that worship was was meant to be intimate, that face to face. When we worship God, yes, we lift our hands and sing. Yes, we praise. Yes, we pray. But in a sense, when we worship and that's why sometimes I say close your eyes and, and just envision him right in front of you, because that's what that's the worship that he desires. He worship. He desires that that face to face. You know, have you have you ever talked to somebody and their back is turned to you? It'll make you mad, don't it? God desires that face to face, that intimate face to face, that intimate face to face. And watch this. It was lost because when Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they, they, they couldn't bear. They were in so much shame. They couldn't bear to look at the face of God. And guess what? God didn't like that. And when I say God didn't like that, I don't mean like, a, how dare you not look? At no, no, no. God didn't like it because he desired to look at the face of his creation. He desired that intimate relationship. Well, why aren't you looking? You feel ashamed? You know, okay, we're going to take care of that. We're going to take care of that. We're, we're going to go in the midst of that shameness. We're going to go in the midst of that anxiety. We're going to go in the midst of that insecurity, and we're going to restore that. We're going to clean it out. We're going to wipe it all out. We'll nail it to a cross, and then we'll bury it, and guess what? We'll rise above it three days later, and it will stay in the grave. Why? Because we want that face-to-face again. We want you to be back in the union with us again. We want you to see how we see. We want you to love how we love. We want you to create how we create. We want you to heal how we heal. We want you to prosper how we prosper. We want you to bless how we bless. That was his desire. And guess what? We've been brought back into it. We've been brought back into it. Mm. Irenaeus. Irenaeus, he was a student of Polycarp. Polycarp was a direct disciple of the Apostle John, who obviously we're reading his gospel. But Irenaeus, he said this. He said it best this way. He said, our blessed Lord Jesus Christ, who in his transcendent love became what we are in order to bring us to be what he is in himself. I'm going to say that again because it's a bar. But Irenaeus, he said this. He said, our blessed Lord Jesus Christ and who in who is uh, in his transcendent love, he became what you and I are. He became what we are in order to bring us back to what he is in himself. Thank you, Lord. Mm, mm, mm. Running back to John chapter 20, verse 17, but literally Jesus called the disciples bros. <laughs> he called them brothers. He said, go tell my brothers what I've done. And, and I love this because if, if, if literally, if, if we are, if we all are uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, and that means that we are God's children. We are God's children. I wrote this down this morning as the boys were eating breakfast. I said, Jesus took our betrayal and turned it into adoption. Jesus took our betrayal and turned it into adoption. I remember when I read it out loud, Kellen, bless his heart, Kellen was like, yep. And I'm like, huh? He said, yep, that's good, daddy. Like, you know what that is, buddy? That is good. That's good news, ain't it? I said, Jesus took, I started preaching to him. I said, Jesus took your betrayal and my betrayal. And he made, and he turned it to adoption and made it to, and now we're in the family. He's like, yep. I'm like, shoot, I'm fired up. I don't care if nobody else responds. My son understands that we are brought back into the family. I'm like, Woo. I look at Keenan and Keenan's like, and he doesn't understand, but he's just smiling going along with it. I'm like, that's right. I'm like, I'm like, let's go get our clothes on now. Let's go do this. <laughs> I'm, fired up and ready 
But we have been brought back into the family of God. We've been brought back into the family of God. And I and understand this, that word adoption in the Greek, in that particular context, it doesn't mean what we Americans understand to adoption to be. See, in the West, adoption is taught that, you know, a, a child has been adopted, brought into a family, and then they become a family member eventually. But in the Greek, this, this version of it, adoption means that you are brought, you're restored into a position that you already were. So therefore, that's, that's why we've been redeemed. Why? Because there is a position that we formerly held. We lost it in the fall of Adam. We, we saw God wrongly. We saw God through a distorted lens, and God didn't like it. He didn't like the fact that we would be ashamed, and he went into the midst of our darkness and restored it. Restored it. But Jesus took our betrayal and turned it into adoption. My, my five-year-old son understands this. <clears throat> For those that have a Bible, if you can, turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, we're going to break this down a little bit. Still talking about our, our, our new reality, which is we are one in God. We are one in God. Hebrews chapter 2, we'll do verses 10 through 12 in the Passion Translation. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, verse 10 says this. And I'll, I'll break it verse by verse, but for now he towers above, talking about God, for now he towers above all creation, for all things exist through him and for him, talking about Jesus, and that God made him pioneer of our salvation, perfect through his sufferings, for this is how he brings many sons and daughters to share in his glory. I want to stop right there. So there's two phrases that the author says in this. He says, perfect through sufferings, and this is how he brings many sons and daughters to share in his glory. In other words, because Jesus was perfect, even while suffering, the result was we have been adopted into the family of God. But if you think about that, perfect in his sufferings, that's a that's an oxymoron. Has, has anybody ever suffered well before? You ever, you ever heard that phrase? I, I remember as a kid, one time I heard uh, a seasoned saint, Brother, beloved, I pray you, I, uh, he came and spoke, beloved, I pray you suffer well. And I remember thinking, I'm like, for well, I don't want to suffer well. Like, that's not fun. Like, yeah, this dude ain't going to be back over here, suffer well. And it, it, I forgot all about it until I read the scripture, and I immediately thought, I'm like, suffer well, suffer well. And it's an oxymoron because who in here enjoys getting hurt? Anybody, anybody enjoy getting hurt? Anybody enjoy, anybody enjoy ever stubbing your toe? Or, you know, I, uh, any parents in the room of small children, anybody ever, or even the teachers enjoy stepping on a Lego or a block or a car? Uh, the, the other, I think it was Friday, I got off work and uh, set Cohen in the floor. Um, no, it was actually yesterday. I set Cohen in the floor in the little playroom, and there were some Legos and stuff. And he went to do something. He's about to fall, so I leaned over to, to try to catch him. And as I did, I was on my knees, and one of my knees landed on one of the Legos. I was like, no! And I just did a little fireman's roll, rolled over. And, of course, Cohen thought I was playing. You know. You know, who, does anybody here enjoy pain, enjoy going, yeah, oh, paper cut, yes, paper cut, oh, it's so fun. Oh, flat tire on the car, yeah, you know. Nobody enjoys suffering. But Jesus, the, the, the word said literally that he was perfect in his suffering. Perfect in his suffering. How was he perfect in his suffering? Well, the first thing was, and this, this is a big one, this is a big one, you ready? Everybody say buckle up. In the midst of his suffering, he didn't say a word. And that's hard. That's hard because when some, especially if somebody, somebody does something to you, oh, no. No, no. It's like we want to be our own defense. We want to be our, our own lawyer. We want to be our own jury. We want to be our own judge. We, we want to defend ourselves physically or, or, or metaphorically. If somebody throws a room at oh, no, no, that ain't what I did. You got it all wrong. Let me tell you, I can give you time and date, you know. <laughs> that wasn't me. I wasn't there. Dude, I could tell you who was there. You know, something happened at work yesterday. I didn't tell Kelsey this, but something happened to where, like, it, it caused this big dramatic thing. And, you know, these two people were talking to, my coworkers were talking about it. And instantly I was like, hey, what day did that happen? <laughs> what happened? The, oh, I wasn't working then, so I don't know. <laughs> and I went, I went on about my, and the girl said, we know you. Was. I said, okay, I'm just making sure. Everybody in the room understands Lindsay wasn't um, involved. Yes, we, okay. Continue on with your conversation. <laughs> keep, keep, you keep it going. You keep it going. Yep. 
You know, and that's as as human beings, you know, we instantly want to defend ourselves. You know, the moment that we begin to suffer, we want to watch this. Uh, Jesus suffered well because, number one, he he uh, he didn't say a word. Number two, he didn't try to come up with his own way out. Amen. You know, when we're suffering, we you know, we'll we'll instantly defend ourselves and we'll instantly try to come up with a solution. I know I'm speaking Definitely for myself, you know, the moment that trouble arises, calamity arises, chaos arises, we try to come up with our own, well, okay, this, I got to, I got to handle it, I got to, we got to work overtime, we got to do this, if I'm going to pay for this, I'm going to pay for that, I got to do this, I got to do this, this person, I don't like that, hello, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. Jesus suffered well, number one, because he didn't say a word. Number two, he didn't try to come up with his own solution. Number three, he trusted in the process. This, this is the Holy Spirit calling you and, and saying this to you this morning because this wasn't in the notes. And this is, as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, Jesus, that's me. But he trusted in the process. Did you, did you know God has a process for your life? God has a process for bringing things about to fruition in your life. I mean, if, a, if, a, if in the natural, if a farmer has to till the ground, and we said it last, last year, we talked when we went through the whole planting series, but if, if, God, if, if a farmer has to till the ground, if he has to burn the soil, if he's got to test the soil to make sure that that soil is conducive just to hold the seed. So understand that the farmer knows that there's a process. And even as even as I started working uh, the job that I work in, I can I, I started I, I feel a little confident. I even like to like when I get to a farm, I look at the field. I'm like, I wonder what part of the stage, what stage of the process there. And I'm looking. I'm like, oh, it looks like there. So one time I even asked the farmer, I was like, hey, are you are you uh, are you like have you already burnt the field? Ah, oh, we just did that yesterday. I was like, oh, look at me. All right, God. All right, I don't want to farm, but I, I understand. I understand you. I don't want to do it, but I, I understand you. I do. Not anymore, though. Not anymore. <laughs> I, if you didn't know, I used, to, I used to say whenever we get our own house, like, oh, we need to get some baby chickens, you know. I don't know. I just, I just had that urge. It was, you know, it was a pizza dream. You have those dreams, and then, you know, 24 hours later, three weeks later, a month later, it goes away. Four, it wasn't four years. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. But now that, I, now that I run the route and chickens get literally cross the road, that's not a joke. But literally, the chickens cross the road and you got to stop and wait. I'm like, man, if this, this house just didn't have these chickens, I could get down this road so much faster. <laughs> why the chicken, chicken cross the road? To hold me up and keep me at work longer. That's why, that's why I crossed the road. Just, just let you know, that's, that's how the joke really should have went. And it's not funny. <laughs> no, no. It's to hold Lindsay up at work to keep me longer because I'm supposed to be suffering well. <laughs> mm -hmm. But there's a process. There's a process. And literally the scripture says that he was perfect in suffering. Even on the cross, we don't see him complaining. I mean, imagine yourself on the cross. Would, would you... You, would you be silent? Would you, would you be taking the insults of everybody? Would you be taking the, the challenges? They challenged him. They said, if you're, if you're really God, call the, call the angels down. Call the angels down and they'll, and they'll free you. Like they were tempting him. They were challenging him. And imagine if you were in his position. Oh, uh, challenge accepted. Off the cross. Told you. Bye. Told you. You didn't believe me. It was in the scriptures. You didn't want to believe. Well, guess what? You had the opportunity. You missed it. You know, you poked the bear. Guess what? You poked the lamb. Now the lion come out. We out. <laughs> you did it. Did it to yourself. I, I tried. I surrendered, but you didn't want it. You didn't want it. Are you? So that's, so that's, that's the Lindsay Bell translation. That's why we all thank God that Lindsay wasn't Jesus and Jesus wasn't like Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> it's going a different direction than I thought it would. <laughs> but, but I love it because three, three things. Understand this if you are taking notes. Jesus suffered well, and this is how we suffer well. Is one, by not saying a word in the midst of calamity. Number two, by not trying to come up with our own solutions. And number three, by trusting in his process. His process. Listen, there's nothing that you will go, that, there's nothing that will go on in your life that, that catches him by surprise. You're still single. 
God's not in heaven like, oh, man, we forgot the plan for that. No. (laughs) You're going through sickness. Oh, COVID? God wasn't in heaven like, oh, we forgot about COVID. Ah, no. Death in the family? Didn't catch God by surprise. People walking out of your life? Didn't catch people by, didn't catch God by surprise. The up and down in our finances? It doesn't catch God by surprise. The rent due, don't catch God by surprise. I mean, we can keep going on and on. Kids being kids doesn't catch God by surprise. There's nothing in your life. So therefore, if it doesn't catch God by surprise, he is aware of it. He's already planned accordingly. The question is, can we sit and rest and trust? And I'm definitely talking about myself, but can we sit and trust and rest in, you know, okay, God, if this doesn't catch you by surprise, how how do you want to handle it? How have you already handled it? How have you already handled it? Then let me submit to it. Somebody say suffer well. So in verse 11, let's move on to verse 11. Literally, Jesus, the Holy One, mates us what? Who mates us holy? Jesus. Who mates you holy? Jesus. Jesus mates you holy. And as sons and daughters, we now belong to his same what? That's why we sing, I I belong to you. The same father. That, that sounds like we're part of the fellowship. That sounds like we're, we're in union again. That sounds like we're in that perichoresis, that circle dance. We belong to his same father, so he is not, watch it. Oh, this is good. This is good. He is not, what? Ashamed, Ashamed or embarrassed to introduce us as his brothers and sisters. Woo! Oh, we all remember when we was kids. We all remember when we was kids and you go out or whatever. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know about y'all, but, you know, at Kwood, I had my own life. You know, I had my own life, had my own status, da 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 And then go out. And I remember, if, uh, I remember uh, uh, coming, coming to church on Wednesday nights and mom would be like, Lindsay, you should invite your friends to church. And I'm like, mm-hmm. ah. And I'd see, you know, the spirit break out and everybody's dancing and the sp- and pastor's laying hands. And every- I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Why? Because as a kid, let's be honest, kids, we get embarrassed. We would get embarrassed very quickly. Miranda's like, yep. I, uh, I'm like, yep. Uh, I don't know. I remember one time I did have a friend come, and it was one of those Sundays where, like, the message didn't even get preached. Just the Holy Spirit was laying hands on everybody. And I remember just looking at him like, <sighs> sat right over there. I remember when we went to school. We were still in K. We went to school the next day. I, I walked past him. I didn't even say nothing. I just <laughs> sat down in my seat, just started. Like, yeah. But in this scripture, it says that Jesus isn't even embarrassed or ashamed to introduce us as part of the family. That's right. That means, watch this, the things that you are insecure about, he's not. That's right. The things that you're ashamed of, he's not. That's right. The things that you beat yourself up, over he doesn't he doesn't so who's the one that's doing all that if it's not God it's mm. the 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 most the the most powerful theological statement is the most simple one and it is God is a good God and the devil is a bad devil I remember they told us that in in Bible college pastor Craig he set it up good he's like he's like everybody get your notes out Get your notebooks out. I want, he said, I'm going to give you the most powerful theological stuff. So inside, I'm like, oh, you know, got my notebook. Open it up. Here we go. I'm ready. He's like, are you, he said, you need to be re- Are you ready? We're like, yes. Yeah, okay. Show me you're ready. Position yourself in your heart. Get, get yourself. Eliminate all distractions. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm hungry, but let's push it aside. All right, I'm ready. I'm, come on. And he says, he says, repeat it. He says, write this down. God is a good God. I'm like, God is a good God. And the devil is a bad devil. I'm like, what? I mean, yes, it's true, but it's, it's obvious. Like, that's not the, and as time has gone on and after we experienced the last, uh, the, what we've experienced the last few years, I'm like, you know what? God, you are a good God. Everything good and perfect comes for you. All this, all this negative, all this negative, that don't come from you. So that means, oh, easy. So I can, I, easy, I can identify, okay, this is what the devil's bringing in my life, and this is what God is doing. Oh, thank you, Lord. 
if we can fully grasp that in our heart, then we can, as we go to work Monday or as we leave these double doors, when things arise, we can instantly identify, okay, Lord, that's you. Oh, Lord, that's not you. We're going to move on. We're going to avoid this. We're going to keep moving forward, like Kelsey said. We're going to keep moving forward. You can move forward when you, when you can identify what is God and what's not. Amen. It's easy to move forward when you can identify what's God and what's not. Well, Lindsay, how do I identify what's God and what? Okay, well, what's, what's, encur- what's, uh, what's encouraging me to remain in union with him? And what's encouraging me to handle it on my own? If it's encouraging me to handle it on my own, that's not God. Newsflash, that's not God. The devil wants you to handle it on your own. The devil wants you to eat of the I am not tree. The devil wants you to believe that God is withholding parts of himself from you. The devil wants you to believe all these different things. Why? Because if he can isolate you from God, he's already won the battle. If he can isolate you from God, isolation is his number one tactic. Isolation is his number one tactic. Somebody say union. Union. Went in the notes, but I hope you you got something out of it. But verse 11 literally said that Jesus makes us holy. Jesus is not ashamed nor embarrassed to introduce us as his brother and sisters. Who's he introducing us to? Ah, his father. When he says, hi, father, (laughs) this is Miranda. Woo! He gets, it doesn't say, he's not, hey, Father, this is Miranda. This is Drea. No, he's excited. He's joyous. The Bible says that he sings melodies about us. God, oh, this is Miranda. Miranda words. Don't know your middle name, and that's sad because we've been friends so long, but this is Miranda words. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is. I forgot. Yeah, I remember now. <laughs> and we laugh, but at the same time, I want you to grasp that. He, he's not ashamed when he introduces us. So the opposite of ashamed is, is, a, is proudness. He's proud. He's proud to bring you before his father. He's proud to bring us back into the fellowship. So when literally when he's when he did what he did on the cross, he wasn't like, okay, everybody, this is this is what I did right here. Yeah, here you go. no, this is creation. These are my brothers and sisters right here. Back into the fellowship, back into union, back in one with God. Thank you, Lord. Can we read verse 12? <clears throat> Verse 12 literally says, the author quotes the King, uh, King David when he says, For he has said, I will reveal who you really are to my brothers and sisters, and I will glorify you with praises in the midst of the congregation. So literally verse 11 said that Jesus is not ashamed nor embarrassed to introduce us to his brothers and sisters, and he has said, I will reveal who you really are, who I really am. Somebody say, who I really am. See, there's a difference between who you really are and who you may portray to certain people. There's a difference between who you really are and what the bank account says. There's a difference between who you really are and what, you know, all the different accomplishments that you may have done or the things that you didn't do. Or there's a difference between who you really are and the version that your peers may see or the version that you that you had imagined you would be further along in your life. No, there's there's who you really are and who you are wrestling to try to pretend to be. The question is, can we submit and give in to who we truly, really have been created to be? Can we submit and can we can we fully engulf, fully lean into who he redeemed us to be? I remember I heard Pastor John Gray when he came to Johnson City. I heard him say, you know, God can't save who we pretend to be. God can't heal who you pretend to be. God can't deliver who you pretend to be. Why? Because God's solely focused on that face to face. He's not focused on the face with makeup. He's not focused, and please, that's not, that's not saying don't put makeup on. Ladies, if you don't wear makeup, cake up. Do, do whatever you got to do. But what I'm saying is God's not focused on the one that's trying to, oh, oh God, don't, don't look at this. Don't, don't look at all this. Look, yeah, Lord, catch me, catch me, catch me tomorrow because I'll, I'll, I'll have myself more presentable. Lord, catch me tomorrow, I'll have more, my life more together. Catch me tomorrow, I'll have, I'll have somebody in my life to, to, to encourage me and to keep me accountable. 
No, no, no. God wants that face to face of who you truly are in every moment of your life. That's who he's interested in. That's that's who he died for is you, the real you, the real you. Why? Because he wanted he desired that so much. that He's like, you know what? What we got to bring them back into union with us because I long for them. He created us because he loved us. He didn't create you because he was bored. He didn't create you because he didn't have anything to do. You know, uh, the, the best, you know, you, you weren't like a, a load of laundry that has, that has to be folded in order to be used. You know, you, you know we all have those days, I got to get that laundry done. You folding it because it's got to get done. God wasn't like, oh, let's create this. Let's create Miranda. Let's create Dre. I ain't got nothing else to do. No. Let's, wow, I just, oh, man, let's. I love Drea. And has, out of that love, he created. We read in Ephesians 1, verse 4, two weeks ago, out of, out of that love, he spoke us into existence. Man, I just, I love Drea. There she is. I love her. There she is. I love Cohen. There he is. I, you, out of love, you were created, not out of obligation. Well, Lindsay, why are we talking about this? Because we live in a world and we live so burdened down sometimes that we don't that we misinterpret God as being distant, being off and being uh, and, and, and not caring about our situations when really he is in the midst of our situations. He is in the midst of our scenarios. He is in the midst of our life. I posted this two days ago, but there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can say. There's nothing that you can think that could alter his love for you. There's nothing that you can do to convince him to remove, to, 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 not, to not protect you, to not love you, to not heal, to not bless, to not deliver, to not provide. There's, he does those things because he loves. Amen. He does those things because he loves. So let, here, let me close with this. So in verse 17, we don't have to go back there, but in John chapter 20, verse 17, that was the key verse. But Jesus told, told Mary, he was like, hey, when she went to grab him, there's one translation that said cling. When she went to cling him, he said, he said, woman, don't cling me. I haven't ascended to my father. And I remember as a kid, when dad would preach the scripture, we'd be talking about the resurrection and I hear any other ministers preach it. I would always be like, well, you know, I, I never under, fully understood it. Like, well, why didn't Jesus want her to hug him? Like, what's wrong with that? Like, Jesus, come on. And I'm, but then I heard some ministers say, well, he was so holy, you know, in his holy state. And, you know, for the longest I believed that. But then I was like, no, that don't sound like a loving Jesus. That doesn't sound like the loving father. Why, why didn't he want her to cling to him in that moment? You know, was, was Jesus like me and don't like his food to touch? So he's like, hey, 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 you know, uh-uh. You know, uh, back up. Give me six feet. No, that wasn't it. Was Jesus like, oh, germs. All right, you, you know, oh, no. He wasn't like that. But there's a specific reason, and I love this because he literally said, don't cling to me because I haven't ascended to my father. In other words, I haven't left yet, but once I do, then cling to me. I'm like, wait, wait, how, how, how can she cling to him if he's not there? I mean, it, you know, it'd be like me saying, okay, I'm going to hug Drea, and Drea's in the room, so I'll hug her. But then, you know, if Drea goes out there, I'm going to hug her. Well, Lindsay, how can you hug her? Because she's not in the room. Literally, the uh, one theologian describes the way that Mary clung to Jesus was like, uh, it wasn't like out of obligation, but it was like a bride clinging to her husband. And Jesus recognized this. He's like, oh, save this for when I'm not here because you're going to need it. Our new reality, it requires us to cling to Jesus. Cling to him. You know, in the Greek, you know what the word cling means? Cling. It means fasten, firm persuasion. Mm, you know what firm persuasion sounds like? Faith. So Jesus was saying, hey, yeah, yeah, I'm here in the moment, but really you need to save this energy. You need to save this. You need to save what you do. You need to bottle up. And then when I'm not here, that's when you need to do it. Because there will come a time in your life when you cannot see me, when you cannot feel me, when you cannot hear me, but you still need to be clinging to me. 
when life is going to be life, when you're going to go on the, uh, on, in the highs of life, and you're going to go through the lows of life, you still need to be clinging to me. There's going to be times when the job is going up and when the job is going, you still got to be clinging to me. There's going to be times when friends come and friends go, you still need to be clinging to me. There's times when family members go and family members come, you still need to be clinging to me. There's times when you have all the money and you don't have any money, still cling to me. There's times when you can go to church and it's going and it's on fire and there's times where it feels like it's cold still cling to me there's times in the midnight hour where you don't know what to do what to say how to say it what to pray how to pray what to read how to read it still all that you have in your strength cling to me fasten your grip upon me cling to me what do we do next Lindsay? we cling to God Cling to him like we've never clinged to him before. Grip him. Grip his word. Grip his presence. And we hold tight like we needed to survive. We needed to survive. He was literally saying, Mary, what you're doing, I need you to do it when I'm not here. And then watch this. He said, go tell the disciples what I've told you. So therefore, let them know that, guess what? When I'm not here, cling to me. And we see that they did because you can't be Peter and about to be beheaded and not clinging to God. You can't be John and locked up on the island of Patmos and not be clinging to God. You can't be Paul and be shipwrecked and be tortured and be beaten and not cling to God. Some of you in here, there's no way you can go through what you have been through and not cling to God. I don't care what anybody tells you. You cannot work enough hours on a job. You cannot, you cannot find the right person in order to do what, what clinging to God does for you. You can't acquire enough friends. You cannot get enough lights. You cannot get enough dollars. You cannot get the, the shiniest vehicle. You cannot acquire the most furniture. You cannot get the biggest house versus what clinging to God will bring to you. He said, cling, don't cling to me now. Do it when I'm gone. Do it when I'm gone. And guess what? We live in a realm where he's physically not here. So therefore, really, he was talking to us. That's right. He was peering into the future and talking to us. And saying, hey, 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 cling to me. Fasten your grip. Fasten your grip. Fasten your grip. Why? Because he knew there was stuff that was going to come that would make us wonder, well, gosh, this, there, 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 there's war in the Ukraine. God, how do we handle that? Cling to me. Lord, there's new variants of COVID. How do I handle it? Cling to me. Lord, people are fighting over a mask or no mask. What? Cling to me. Lord, my kids are growing up and we live in a world where everybody wants to re-identify everything. What do I do? Cling to me. Cling to me. Cling to me. And you know what's so cool? As we cling to him, it's not like he's going to be just, you know, you ever hug somebody, they don't want to be hugged, so they're just kind of standing like, oh. No, because when we cling to him, we're going to see the same type of father that we saw in Luke 15 that wraps his arms around us with the seal of sonship given to us, giving us the fatted calf and putting his robe on us. Hey, there you are. Yeah. Oh, you don't. I got my hands on you just like you got your hands on me. What's coming for you has to first penetrate me. And guess what? You can't penetrate God. You can't pierce God. You can't. Clean to me. Somebody say clean to me. Listen, if God in the flesh died, then three days rose from the grave. If he said, once I'm gone, cling to me, then bet your bottom dollar we should be clinging to him. Lindsay, what do we do now? What's the new reality? The new reality is we are in union with God and we should be clinging to him. We should be clinging to him. The Lord reminded me of this. This This isn't in the notes. But I remember when we lived in Ormond Beach. And I would come home for work when Kelsey and Keenan were home. This is before we had Cohen. <clears throat> but I remember um, 
I would come home and me and Kellen would come home and, you know, brother, 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 they, and then Keenan instantly, what he would do, he would, he would, he would go to hug me, but he would hug my leg and he would just stay right there and he would sit on my foot and he'd just be so happy and joyous. And it was, you know, it wasn't like he was like a little, you know, paperclip, like, oh, it was, uh, uh. and he wouldn't let go, but I loved it. I loved it because that's the way he was expressing his love. He was clinging to his father. Now watch this. Most time, if y'all, if, if you don't know, when I would get home from work, I was hungry. It's time for a snack. So instantly, I would go to the kitchen. Him on me. So here we go, walking to the kitchen. So because I'm about to give myself something, he sees it. Well, guess what? Hey, daddy's getting something. You're in the room. Here you go, buddy. What you want to? But also, he would he want to show me different things that he made. So therefore, daddy, I want to da 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 da. Okay, so let's go to your room and see what you've done. So now, because so there's two there's 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 two things that have happened. Let me back up. Number one, he's done something, so therefore he wants me to see it. He wants to bring me into his world. So guess what? He's clinging to me. Father, I want to show you what I've done. Come look. Well, you're, cling- you're bringing me with you. But also his father wanted to do some stuff as well. You're clinging to me. Let me bring you with me into my world as well. Jeez. And in my world, I'm, I'm partaking of something. Guess what? You're in the room with me. You're in the room where it happens. You get to partake as well. Everything that you've done. So I guess so because he's brought me into his world. It could have been it could have been in the midst of, you know, like calamity where he's like, ah, it didn't work out today. Well, guess you've brought me in. You've made me aware of it. How can I help you finish this project? You brought me into your world. How can I help you? deal with being uh, the being single or deal with being married or deal with parent or being a parent deal with being an employer deal with being an employee you've brought me into your world let me help you but also let me bring you into my world this is what i'm working on and i want you to be a part of it one of the greatest things that we get to hear or that one of the greatest invitations that we have is not only to be part of the family but also to help bring others into the family Lord, what, what are you cooking? Oh, can, can I help? Yeah, come on in. Help. Yeah, come on in, serve. Yeah. Oh, I, I want you to go to this person on your job and say this. I, 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 want you to, I want you to bless this person and not say anything. I want you to help do this service. I want you to, yeah. That's right, baby. Clean to him, clean to him, clean to him cling to him not out of obligation but out of pure necessity pure necessity cling to him like the song says cling to him like you need uh, more than you need the oxygen to breathe cling to him more than words to sing cling to him more than skin on your bones cling to him more than the ground that you're standing on cling to him because he's Abba and we belong to him and watch this he belongs to us why because he's brought us back into fellowship he's brought us back into now because of what he's done literally people should be able to look at you and see the father people should be able to look at you and see jesus people should be able to look at you and see the spirit people should be able to hear the words that come out your mouth and instantly think of a loving god people should be able to see the 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 way that you bless the way that you parent the way that you teach kids the way that you are are on your job the faithfulness showing up on time the way that you cook a meal the way that you prepare the way that you clean the way that you drive the way that you treat people the way that you care for people should be able to look at everything that you do and say oh that's got to be jesus right there oh that's got to be the father right there oh that they're in the spirit why because we are mirroring we are mirroring everything that we see we are mirroring everything we see and if we literally just do a 360 we can see oh we're in this circle dance we're in the fellowship with god father son and spirit we're how do they love oh let me love just like that how do they empathize I, let me same way how do they treat people how do they talk people even if they're different okay yeah even even if they're raised different than me if they're even if they're a different denom- even if they are a denomination oh he's still loving he's still caring he's still holding accountable you've been brought into that fellowship Lindsay what's next with our lives 
that's what's next. Our new reality is we understand that. Okay, I'm in fellowship with Father, Son, and Spirit. We said it two weeks ago. We said that every, every, every aspect of our life, we should see it from the Father's point of view. Yesterday when I was working, something happened. I said, okay, God, what's your point of view on this? Because I said, Lord, I'm tired. What's your point of view? And instantly, he, the book of James says that if we ask him for wisdom and believe he'll give it, then he'll give it. So instantly, he gave me wisdom and he gave me his point of view on a certain situation. That's his desire. He doesn't withhold. He doesn't say, okay, I see how it's supposed to be and I'm going to let you squander. No, no, no. He said, I see how it's supposed to be and I'll bring, I'll bring you into the same realm to where you can see the same way. See through the same lenses. Why? Because he doesn't desire for us to, to, to fumble and bumble in life. If he did, then he never would have went to the cross. But he loves us so much. The scripture says that we all know it, but he loves us so much that he sent Jesus into our darkness so we can see the light. Not only so we can see the light, so we can walk in the light, be in the light, talk in the light, share the light, and return to the light. Clean to him, church. When you walk out these double doors, find ways to cling to him. That's your challenge. That's your, that's your challenge. Okay, what are some areas that I'm not clinging to? Father, Son, and Spirit. Is it in my finances? Is it in my trust towards people? Is it in the way I talk to people? Is it in all the different things that need to be fixed around the house? Am I clinging to God with that? Or, I'm, or am I stressing and fumbling, bumming, and worrying? Okay, how's it going to happen? I got to do that. 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 I got to, I, 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 Newsflash, you wasn't on the cross. Not saying that we ignore problems. What I'm saying is we give problems to the right source. We give our problems to the right source. That's the way we're meant to live. That's the way we're meant to live. That's the way we're meant to live. That's the way you are meant to live. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. thank you that we can cling to you through all seasons thank you Lord we can cling to you in all seasons Lord help us not be embarrassed or ashamed for clinging to you Lord because we know that when we can when we can have that firm persuasion and belief who you said you are we will see that you are faithful to work all things out for our good I don't know who that's for in here, but he's faithful to work out all things out for your good. He's faithful to work all things out for your good. He's going to work all things out for your good. Just cling to him. Just cling to him. Just cling to him. And it may come, it may be you have to be at home and in those moments you have to turn the TV off and you just have to get honest with the Lord and say, Lord, this is what's going on in my life. But I'm choosing to cling to you. I'm choosing to hold on to you. You may have to cut out certain things. You may have to sacrifice some time to get downright honest with yourself. You may have to sacrifice being around certain people. You may have to take a break and say, hey, you know what, right now, I I haven't been clinging to God. I've been clinging to people. I've been clinging to significant others. I got I I gotta cling to you, Lord. Because I know if I can cling to you, everything else will work out like it's supposed to. Like it's not not how I want it to, like it's supposed to work out. Jesus told Mary, he said, Don't cling to me now. Wait till I've wait till I'm gone. And then tighten your grip on me. Tighten your grip on me. Jesus, we worship you. We honor you, Lord. We exalt you. 
the seeds that you've sown this morning. Lord, let it produce the type of urgency that we can cling to you and we will not let go. We will not let go. We will not let go. Lord, you know what we need and you know how we need it. Remove every hindrance that, that causes us to be shy and ashamed or embarrassed or hesitant of trusting in you fully. Of trusting in you fully. Remove those. Remove every wall. Remove every shackle. Lord, thank you for bringing us back into, into the circle with you. And help us to see you in all degrees of our life. Yes, the full 360. Help us to see you in all degrees of our life. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Everybody say amen.